If you could, um, read along with me in Nehemiah chapter 3. Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brothers the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him the men of Jericho built, and next to them Zachar the son of Imri built. The sons of Hesaniah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, son of Meshabel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Baena, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. Joyada, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Besedeah, repaired the gate of Yeshana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them repaired Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Maranathite, the men of Gibeon and the, of Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Herahiah, goldsmiths repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Judea, the son of Haramoth, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashabneah, repaired. Melchizedek, the son of Harim, and Hashub, the son of Pahath Moab, repaired another section in the Tower of the Ovens. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halahesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired, he and his daughters. Hanun and the inhabitants of Zenoah repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars, and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Melchizedek, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hecarim, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And Shalom, the son of Kol Hosek, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And he built the wall of the pool of Shelah of the king's garden as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Bethzur, repaired to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. After him, the Levites repaired, Rehum, the son of Bani. Next to him, Hashabiah, ruler of half the district of Keilah, repaired for his district. After him, their brothers repaired. Bavai, the son of Hinadad, ruler of half the district of Keilah. Next to him, Ezer, the son of Yeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory at the buttress. After him, Baruch, the son of Zebai, repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. After him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hekaz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Eliashib to the end of the house of Eliashib. After him, the priests, the men of the surrounding area repaired. After them, Benjamin and Hashub repaired opposite their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Messiah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. After him, Benuai, the son of Hanadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress and to the corner. Palal, the son of Uzai, repaired opposite the buttress and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard. After him, Padeah, the son of Parash, and the temple servants living on Ophel, repaired to a point opposite the water gate on the east and the projecting tower. 
After him, the Tekoites repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower, as far as the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired, each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Immer, repaired opposite his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zaloth, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, repaired opposite his chamber. After him, Melchizedek, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants, opposite the muster gate, and to the upper chamber of the corner. And between the upper chamber and the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Peace be with you. You may be seated. Why don't we give him another applause for that? Yeah. Thank you, Adam. And what a wonderful time of worship through singing. Um, Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you, Haley. Thank you, Jenna. Let's give them honor, a round of applause to help us sing, to help us sing and worship the Lord. Beautiful, beautiful songs. Well, my name is Tony, and I am privileged to pastor Sojourners on the west side in Spring Branch. I'm grateful. Greetings, uh, greetings from them today. And I want to say thank you for the invitation to come and preach um, uh, to brothers and sisters here in the Heights. I am honored to rise to this pulpit this morning and steward God's Word today. Pastor Paul is doing the same at uh, Sojourn Spring Branch, and, and I'm here, so really grateful for that. Well, we are, we are living in um, a season, in one of the longest seasons in the church calendar um, that we call ordinary time. Someone say ordinary time. After Easter, after Pentecost, before Advent, there's this long stretch of weeks, months leading to Advent that, that, that is called ordinary time. And I don't know how ordinary your summer has been up to this point other than hot, but I suspect that all of us have been in some level of rebuilding and repairing some areas of our life. As we look and we just prayed, we are rebuilding and repairing some areas of our civil life, right? And maybe that's also in your workplace or with a family member or with a friend. Maybe it's within your parish that you are rebuilding a relationship or within the church. Maybe, maybe it's with your spiritual life that you are hoping to rebuild some and have a complete makeover and say, Lord, do it again. So today, today we will see from this text who it takes to build again this broken down wall, and we will see what it takes to build again. We, we, we may find ourselves in this list of names, or we may be in need of some help because of the tension that discourages us to rebuild. There's hope in this chapter, in chapter 3 of Nehemiah, a list of names that, that, like Adam said, we can just go over to chapter 4. There is hope here to be found, and we want to find it before we head out those doors today. Returning to the book of Nehemiah to learn how we are to build the city of God. 
And look at verse 1 in chapter 3. We like to have our eyes on the text when we preach. The Bible says that Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hannah Nell. Uh, from the very beginning of the chapter, we, we see who and, and, and what they do as, as they build this wall. The, the high priest, the, the brothers, the, the priests, these men who were called to a life in the temple, making sacrifices to God and tending to holy things were instrumental in, in building this wall. This, this physical rebuilding was so important that they were taking time away from their daily activities in the temple to dedicate it to rebuilding this wall. But they were not only rebuilding the sheep gates, which was known to be where the animals that were meant for sacrifice would come through, but they were also consecrating the work. Consecration, it's a big church word, right? But it's basically another word for make it holy, right? Like at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, the Bible says, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. In other words, consecrated it because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This phrase, made it holy, is the word to consecrate, God consecrated that day. God blessed that day. And here in our passage, we see the high priests and other priests consecrating, making holy this work of rebuilding and repairing. In other words, things outside of this wall were more than likely not made holy other than those who were being consecrated. This wall, this work. This work of rebuilding, this work of repairing, this work of building these, this, these gates, this wall was being consecrated. And from verse 2 and on, we see all kinds of people involved in this holy work. We see folks from Jericho. We see goldsmiths, we see perfumers, we see businessmen and merchants, we see people from different social classes, we see people from different backgrounds and vocations, and while they are distinct from one another, they are united with one purpose in mind, they are here to build the holy city of God. This is the important work, and everyone is involved, everyone. What strikes me as we read the text and as we read it this morning is that these goldsmiths, these perfumers, these merchants, these priests, they were all next to, next to, next to each other, right? I mean, you kind of get, it gets monotonous after a while, but they were next to, next to one another. There's a picture here of unity and diversity. And the question for us today, as we build the city of God here in the Heights, here in Houston, is who is the person next to you as we build this holy city of God? Who is that? Who is the person that would be on this list next to you? The person in the pew behind you, the one in front of you, is valuable to God and is valuable to the work that the Lord is calling us to do as we rebuild. 
Yeah. They may not be in the same tax bracket as you. The conversations may not interest you as much and vice versa. The hobbies and interests may not match yours. I mean, who goes playing disc golf? I, you know, I don't know. But they're valuable to God and to the holy work of rebuilding these people. So who is next to you? This brings another point that we value as a church, which is local ministry. We've taught on this on our Life Together series last year, this value, this, this, this motive that, that is an aspiration that we have as Christ followers in each of the Houston neighborhoods that a sojourn congregation is in, which there are five and, and one on the way. Local ministry is a motive for mission that means that our church model is intensely local. Our sojourn congregations, they have defined geographies by, led by local leaders and comprised of local members who are meeting local needs, whether spiritual or material. And you probably have heard it said, proximity matters. It matters when you're building the wall and its gates. It matters who is next to you because they matter to the Lord. And it matters when you are desiring for the glory of God to cover the heights and neighborhood as the waters cover the sea. So the question, yes, it is, who is next to you? Coming out of two years of isolation and social distancing and all, the question now is who is laboring with you? Who is next to you? Who are you locking arms with in your neighborhood block and saying, let's pray for revival here? Friend, you are valued in whatever vocation you exercise, whether it be an engineer, whether it be a banker, a teacher, a full-time mom, whatever vocation you are in, we are all called to consecrate the work of building the city of God. But then we find those that there are some that are not next to you in this work. L look at verse 5. And next to them the Tekoites repaired, comma, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Yet with people next to one another doing this holy work, building this wall, taking care of the place right next to their home, there were some nobles who were not about rebuilding the wall. The Tekoites repaired, but the nobles, they would not. Last week, we saw the attitudes of Sambalat and Tobiah when they heard that Nehemiah was about to re rebuild. They were displeased. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't really care about the peace of Israel coming back. And, and in any effort to rebuild, as you probably have experienced before in your life, there will be people that will be next to you, and there will be people who will not be next to you united in this vision to rebuild. Whatever their motivation, there will be people who will not stoop to serve, or, 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 or maybe, can I just say that maybe the person that won't stoop to serve is maybe you. Maybe this morning you find yourself in a place of cynicism, in a place of apathy, indifference, 
the culture is in chaos, my heart is not settled, maybe I am the one who will not serve. Maybe you wonder if it's all worth it. Maybe you wonder if it's worth it to rebuild your life, to repair that relationship, to be about this holy work, and, and there is the tension that we have right now because you know that God has called you to more. We know that God has called us to abundant life, and we are not willing, desiring to serve. We're called to rebuild and consecrate this holy work, church, yet there are some that will not be next to you in this work, and maybe that is the group that you find yourself this morning, and here is when we need discernment. Here is when we need help and we need hope because you know that there is better for you, but why am I feeling like this? Why do I find myself in this situation? And here is where if I can just take you back to verse 1, the Bible says that the high priest built and consecrated the sheep gate. Someone say sheep gates. The Bible says that hundreds of years later, our Lord Jesus would frequent this same sheep gate in his earthly ministry. 500 years after Nehemiah's time, the Bible records in John chapter 5 a healing that took place by Jesus at the Sheep Gate. In John chapter 10, before Jesus called himself the Good Shepherd, look at what he says. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, the Sheep Gate. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door, he says. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I, says Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. It was through the sheep gates that animals were brought to be sacrificed at the temple. It was through the sheep gate that animals came in one way and never went out the other way. It was there at this gate that animals had to go through to be sacrificed for the sins of people. Yet before Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, he identifies himself as the door of the sheep, as the sheep gate. If anyone enters through Jesus... If anyone who is not up for serving, if anyone who is not up, if anyone who is cynical, if anyone who is critical, if anyone who is in apathy, if anyone who has been indifferent to the work of rebuilding, if anyone enters through Jesus, he says, he would be saved and would be able to go in. And I love this. He would be able to go out. Oh, animal sacrifices would not go out. But if anyone would believe in Jesus, he'd be able to go in the gate, out the gate, and find pasture. The, the, the hope for those that find themselves 
in that group of people who are not next to others of rebuilding the wall, the hope for you, brother, the hope for you, sister, the hope for me this morning when I find myself not willing to serve, the hope for us not finding the desire to forge ahead and rebuild and repair is, is, is found in the very real gate, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus himself tells him, I am the door of the sheep. I am the sheep gate. So enter through him, brother. Enter through him, sister, because he has life and he has it abundantly for you. And the reason why you can go in and out of the sheep gate, which only usually was sheep going in and never going out, the reason why we can go in and out and find pasture is because we have in that sheep gate a good shepherd. Jesus is the sheep gate. He is the good shepherd. Verses later, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I, what does the good shepherd do, y'all? I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, if you were asking, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father Church. Jesus is the sheep gate as he is the good shepherd. But this isn't just any shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life. This isn't just any shepherd. He not only lays down his life, but he takes it up again. This good shepherd stoops to serve when you and I don't want to. Have you been there before? And you find yourself saying, why is it worth it to do this? The good shepherd, Jesus, stoops to serve when we don't have the energy for it. The good shepherd rebuilds the wall of our life when it's all burned down. This good shepherd, church, is the sheep gate that we must go through to find pastures of rest and joy. And the question is, will you enter in through the sheep gate, Jesus Christ? Will you come? Will you see Jesus as the door of the sheep? Will you see Jesus as the good shepherd at the cross, y'all? Christ lays his life down for the sheep so that at the resurrection he can take it up again, giving you the ability to go in through the door of the sheep, and he could be your good shepherd in pastures of rest and joy. That's Jesus. Will you go? Will you enter through that gate? So, because Jesus is the door, because he is the good shepherd that rebuilds the broken and the burned, what is it that we must do? Out of the sacrifice that the Lamb of God has done for us at the cross, we have the opportunity to find our name in Nehemiah chapter 3. Whatever vocation you have right now, when you put your trust in Jesus, 
You can be about the work of rebuilding the holy city. You are part of that holy city. Next to this brother and next to that sister and after this parish leader and after that apprentice, this is us, y'all, building the city in the heights. We find our motivation to build in the work of our Savior, Christ, what He has done for us. We release the tension we have when we see the green pastures of rest and joy that only Jesus gives. Church family, let's rebuild, let's repair with complete abandonment to the work, to God Himself, and sacrifice as, as an act of love for future generations. It's beautiful just to see the kids here. My kid, sorry he was walking on the pews, but it was good to see the kids here singing and clapping, right? as an act of love for future generations based on Christ's act of love for His creation, we set out to rebuild the city He is calling us to build. And, and we do it because He has rebuilt our own life. We do it because we are still experiencing the rebuilding of our own life. We do it because He has rebuilt the gate of regret that has burned our life down. We do it because He has rebuilt the gate of that fear, that anxiety burned down. So, so today we, ha we have learned that we are called to build and see this work as holy. T today we have seen that when we don't see it as holy, we have hope when we see Jesus as the sheep gate and the good shepherd. It is when we see Jesus as the one who laid down his life and the one that resurrected from death that we can give ourselves to the work of rebuilding. So brothers and sisters in this neighborhood, the building materials, they've arrived Chapter 2 has already happened. The trials are here. There's some swords available. We're going to see that in chapter 4. We're going to probably have to fight the enemy and build at the same time. But, but, but today, today, may you know that who is next to you as we rebuild the city matters. Today, may you know that if you find yourself in the group who is not next to others, Jesus says, come in through the sheep gate. I am the door of the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who will find you green pastures of rest and joy. May you enter through that sheep gate, church, and see Christ as your good shepherd as he leads us in pastures of rest and joy so that his holy city can be rebuilt. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word is good and true. We thank you that we're able to open it and read the names of faithful people who set about to do the work of rebuilding and repairing, and we find ourselves in that list. Sometimes we are there next to others, and at other times in our life, we are not next to others.
Sometimes we are there available and willing, and at other times it is very hard because we are critical and cynical and are indifferent to your work. So, God, we repent this morning. We ask for your forgiveness that you offer us freely in Jesus Christ, and we want to see, we want to see you rebuilding our life because of that sacrifice on the cross and because you take up your life again from death and the grave. We're able to say yes because you have said yes to us. So this morning, wherever we find ourselves in this list of names, Will you continue to rebuild our spiritual life, our inner life, as we continue to rebuild the city of God here in the heights with our parishes, with our church? We pray these things in your name, in Jesus' name, amen.